Alrighty, hello again everyone and welcome to it. It is the Derek Hunter Podcast for the 10th of March, 2022. I am back. 2023, good lord. I am back. It's time. My father would have been upset that I took this long, but tough. He deserved it and more. But uh, yeah, so thank you for your patience. Appreciate you listening, downloading, sharing, telling a friend and all that good stuff and uh, the kind notes and everything. Uh, don't forget, I'll address that in a second. Don't forget, patreon.com slash Derek Hunter podcast or DerekHunter.locals.com. There'll be uh, the week in F and review up there. And you can enter to win either an autographed book by Dana Lash or Christy Nome. There. Five bucks a month is all we ask to uh, support the show. So appreciate that. That show will be up at midnight. All right, let's get started. But I do have to just address something before we get started. I want to thank everybody. I can't. I, I could. Uh, let me put it. Make sure I'm very a big stickler for the proper word choice. I'm not going to respond to everybody who sent me kind notes and things. My mother would be very upset. You know, you send thank you cards for everybody. My mother would have already sent thank you cards out for everything. It took me I don't know, a couple months to get thank you cards out for the wedding. I just have never been that organized or that person, but uh, all the, the, literally, I don't know that I could, if I did nothing else for the next week, I probably could respond to all the messages, but um, I can't, and I can't, I didn't read them all. I saw them. I saw them. You can see the subject line. You can see the uh, the preview. I just don't, I don't want to read them. Denial. I'm going to stay in denial for as long as I can and uh, with a bit of rage and then just skip on in to uh, well, denial still. And I just don't have the uh, intestinal fortitude or whatever to go through each one and respond to each one. I responded to some as they were coming in, but I, I just there the column that I wrote got the like, hundred thousand views. It's it's been I've been inundated through Facebook, through Twitter, through emails and two or three different emails and everything. It's just, uh, I, I appreciate it. I am aware of it. I just can't focus on it. You know, I've got to, uh, my dad would have been mad that I took a week. Tough, you know, <laughs> tough. Uh, but uh, it has it not gone unnoticed. It is not unappreciated. It is just my coping mechanism. And, uh, you know, denial ain't just a river in Egypt. It's how I deal with a lot of things of this nature. It's not denial, obviously. You can't deny it. But it is, it's one of those things you can't not think about, but you don't need the reminders of. But everything is a reminder of it, and you want to not think about it. And you're just looking for distractions, and then you, you got to deal with certain things and dealing with it. Thank God that I have three sisters and a brother who are older than me and expect very little from the baby of the family because uh, they've handled everything. The, my father, of course, set up everything ahead of time so that all that really needed to be, everything was prepaid and it was all, every, all that needed to be done was a phone call. And uh, my sister, who was with him, made the phone call and everything was set in motion. He was like he... You know, set all the dominoes in motion. 
He passed at his house in northern Michigan where he wanted to go. He did not. He was with my sister. He was going up there for doctor's appointments. And uh, he did not. He'd been unambiguous in talking to my brother that he didn't want to die in somebody's house. He didn't want to linger around. And he didn't. He was done. He he was in pain and discomfort, missed my mom and all that. And uh, he'd met everybody in his family. He said it was everything that he'd done, everything he wanted to do. He'd seen everything he wanted to see. I did ask him if, you know, trying to give him something to look forward to about two months ago that, you know, what do you want to do? You want to, where do you want to go? Like we can take a vacation and we can go somewhere. And the only thing he said was, you know, he wouldn't mind driving Route 66 to see small the small town things and all the little things that are along there. Apparently, you know, it's been... Uh, holding the uh, the Americana thing for uh, forever, and he, he just was if like of all the things that was it. So I was kind of planning that. I didn't think he'd be up for that, sitting in a car for extended periods of time. But I was open to it, if only just to give him something to look forward to, to even talk about it. But they went up north to because uh, he'd been down at my sister's because of the snow. They got about a foot half a foot somewhere in there we went up north to uh get ready for some doctor's appointments that were supposed to take place this week and uh he was he was very very tired he'd been getting more and more tired and he there was no he didn't want anything done he was he had made sure that no treatment nothing and uh so he was very very tired and he got up there and uh watched some tv with my sister and brother-in-law Went to bed, and that was it. And uh, that was what he would have wanted if he could have scripted it. The only difference is he would have done it four years ago. But tough. We got four years with him. So there's that. But your notes and messages have not gone unnoticed or unappreciated. They're just, I can't respond to them all. And I can't read them all. I have to function as a human being. And I can barely do this. So, anyway, thank you. And that's all I really want to talk about. And it's one of those things where I want to avoid people because I don't I don't want them to say what is a decent human being thing to say to people in this situation. Because I just don't want it, you know. It's kind of, it's bad probably. Denial, give me an ulcer or whatever. Although ulcers are caused by bacteria, I think now we've discovered that. But you get the point. So thank you for everything. And uh, it's not it's not unnoticed and not unappreciated. It's just, uh, it's so appreciated that I, I have to be a jerk about it and not respond. Anyway, there um, is a lot going on in the world, and it's been a long time since I've commented on anything. And one of those things when you take time off, whether it's vacation or something horrible, is you come back and you go, well, do I go back for a week and talk about something that happened five days ago? Because it is uh, it was a big story and nobody's heard my take, or do you just go on? Do you just plow forward and... It's as with life, you just kind of have to plow forward. You can't come. There was nothing that, like, well, the world needs to know my take on this. There just was nothing that monumental that isn't still ongoing. 
And um, so we will just jump in and go forward with it. Um, that is the the January 6th tapes that Tucker Carlson got and has been airing clips of. It is interesting, the uh, QAnon shaman, that guy, he, uh, he does appear to have been railroaded. But I have to be honest with you, with 44,000 hours or 41,000 hours, whatever it is, with a lot of uh, over 40,000 hours, I don't know that he's done or not. I hope he's not done. But it seems to me like there should be a lot more. Doesn't it? Now, the left is panicking at all that anybody's seeing any of these things because the face of the riots, as they call it, the insurrection, the attempted overthrow of the United States government, is this guy running around with horns dressed like Chewbacca. And he was portrayed as a monster. He was portrayed as though he was the ringleader. He Now, it's really weird. You have to stretch credulity to think that this guy was somehow a ringleader because the only footage we've seen of him before Tucker got his hands on these videos was of him in the, the Senate chamber kind of saying weird things into a megaphone. Random. It, it just seems like a little bit of a weird guy. I mean, to be dressed like that, you're not... I don't know. Yeah, I assume you've given up on dating for a while if you're walking around dressed like that. But you, uh, to see him portrays on the cover of magazines, he was the face of the attempted overthrow of the United States government, which it never was. Stupid idea that, I mean, you really have to not understand civics to even entertain something that stupid. Was it good that he was in there? No, you should know that you're going into the Senate chamber. You're not, that is a trespassing at worst. But he's serving four years for this because he was portrayed as a ringleader in the media. And apparently in the court filings, again, apparently, I guess he had some really bad lawyer from what I'm guessing that he cut a plea deal that gave him four years for walking around and walking into the Senate chamber. But he was not the mastermind behind it. He was not anything. He was just a weird guy who was attending the January 6th rally and went into the Capitol building. Well, Tucker got the video and isolated him of him walking around the United States Capitol, not smashing anything. He was carrying an American flag. That's probably what got the left more upset and offended by anything than anything else that he did. is like he's carrying an American flag. Gross. He's former military. Gross. He served this country. Gross. When they are in private, this is how they talk about normal people who will not bend the knee to them. So he is serving four years for what? Well, up until Tucker got those videos, it was for being the ringleader, for being a ringleader, for being a violent goon squad. You would have thought this guy was stabbing Capitol Police officers with the horns on his helmet. They're probably plastic. They probably wouldn't make it, but you get the idea. Now we see him walking around by himself, leading nobody, with two police officers, two Capitol Police officers, who are directing him, helping him. He's trying to get into the Senate chamber, and he's going, I know the area very well. I worked there. 
He's walking around the Senate chamber, trying various doors. They're locked. And the police say, well, let's try these ones. Go around. And they finally find a door that is unlocked. And he, they open it for him. And he goes into the Senate chamber with a whole bunch of other people who shouldn't have been in there. That's it. He didn't set fire. He didn't assault the police officers. He was having conversations with the police officers. And the question then comes, why did the police officers not arrest him? Well, that one's pretty easy to explain in that there was an active riot situation and the people who were in the Capitol building outnumbered Capitol Police by a pretty significant number. So trying to arrest somebody might not be the best idea. However, if this guy were some sort of radical threat or a danger or a ringleader or anything like that, the Capitol Police had him isolated. The Capitol Police had him isolated. Now, if he were in a crowd of 100 people and there were three cops there running in there to arrest this guy wouldn't make a lot of sense because of the reason I just stated. They would get in holy hell beaten out of them. But knowing the United States Capitol building as somebody who worked there and spent a lot of time wandering around there with my staff badge and getting into areas that the general public can't go, he was alone with the police. There was nobody else around. If this guy were the dangerous ringleader of men causing the storming of the Capitol, threatening to overthrow our government, there was ample opportunity for him to be taken into custody where nobody would have seen it happen. Nobody would have seen it happen. You know, if it's over in the corner of the rotunda and there's 500 people on the other side of the rotunda and they're saying, hey, they're going after Earl. Let's go get him. I could see you let him go. But if you're in a corridor outside a private area of the United States Senate uh, and nobody is around, because you can see the whole thing on video, why wouldn't you arrest him? Or you could have just kind of ushered him and say, come on, pal, let's get you out of the building. You can't be in here. You can't do it. He was demonstrating nothing of violence nothing at all now i don't know police procedure maybe it is that you don't try at all you don't entertain the idea you keep a calm situation calm that would make sense but then to see that this leads to a four-year prison sentence is insane you have to remember that the only way this really comes about is through something the democrats absolutely positively love to talk about and it is the big lie the big lie a string of bs so absurd that it strains credulity that it is insane that only a certain number of people brainwashed or damaged would believe it and that leads us to corinne jean pierre I don't know which, I think I suspect I know which side of that spectrum she falls on. But at the White House press briefing yesterday, she was asked about this very, and I've never seen more journalists upset that the American public got information than they are right now. Little Manu Raju running around up on Capitol Hill going, what do you think about, this? is it wrong for Tucker Carlson to show this video? They don't care about what's on the video. They don't give a damn about what the video shows. They're ignoring it. It is bizarre to me 
that these people have jobs in journalism and that they pat themselves on the back talking about how they speak truth to power and we're the watchdogs of democracy and blah, 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 blah. And here's new information about which they have zero questions. Zero questions. They just default back to the people in power telling them that there's nothing in these videos. There's nothing in these videos. And they go, okay, there's, there's nothing in these videos. I forget what movie it is, but there's some movie or maybe it was some... I think it was maybe a TV show, a cartoon, where everybody's like, we are all individuals, this person standing before a crowd. We are all individuals. We are all unique and special in our own way. And everybody repeats back to the crowd, we are all individuals. Like, okay, you're, you're, you're like Borg. You're not individuals. The words you say don't really matter if they're not backed up with the actions that match them. And that is the case with these so-called reporters. We're the guardians of democracy. Okay, well, then why won't you have any questions whatsoever? You speak truth to power, yet anybody who actually challenges the narrative of the powerful is immediately just uh, decried as a heretic. Do you see a disconnect there at all, Manu? No, you don't. I don't know if he's actually that stupid or just CNN lets people know that if they dare cross the narrative, they'll be fired. It could be a little bit of both. But it's really bizarre to me that anybody would just sit there and belch up these commands and and just swallow it hook, line, and sinker. Hook, line, and and sinker. It's the White House, entire White House press corps, by the way. Not a single person in there challenges this narrative in any way, shape, or form. So we go to Karine Jean-Pierre. She's so historic, so very historic. And she was asked about these videos. It's amazing to me how many people are just like, don't don't look at the videos. Don't look at the videos. Do not discover things for yourself. Do not look at unapproved texts. Do not have unapproved thoughts. And you're like, what the hell is wrong with these people? And then you remember, oh, yeah, they're Democrats. That makes sense. I get it now. I get it now. So Corinne Jean-Pierre talking about the big lies. Tucker is, of course, they say Tucker is lying. Tucker is lying. I don't know how he's lying by showing you here's here's footage of what happened that day. He's not saying it's the only thing that happened that day. I will say again that I thought that there would be more, and he's just started on it, but with 44 or 41,000 hours of surveillance footage, you got to bring more to the, maybe there was a little bit more to the table than the uh the horn guy walking around but i i would think there would be a lot more one way or the other i want to see the good and the bad i want to see the people actually doing damage to the building somebody allegedly smeared feces on there i want to know who that person is cuz that's a very antifa kind of move i also want to see the ringleaders. I want to see some isolation on the ringleaders who are telling people this way and that way and the other way. Because I'd like to know who those people are. Maybe what they do for a living. But we've got the uh, the shaman at this point. And we've got the real big lie. And the big lie is that police officers died that day. That this violent, angry mob killed police officers now this violent angry mob they did fight with police officers that's horrible it's bad you want to throw the book at them fine and you know what's weird is if you really want to compare conservatives and liberals you look at how you treat these instances 
conservatives always have that caveat of you've got to throw the book at the people who are fighting with police officers. Get them. This should not be. It's absurd. It's unacceptable in a civil society that this happened. Get them. When you look at the left-wing BLM Antifa mob, you do not get the same thing when it comes to the leftist progressive media. There is nobody saying, well, of course you've got to throw the book at people who are trying to murder police officers by throwing Molotov cocktails at them. And anybody who threw a brick at a police officer needs to have the book thrown at them. Blah, blah, blah. You don't see that over at MSNBC. They don't actually talk about the violence. They pretend it doesn't exist. They pretend that the only political violence in the last 250 years in this country was committed on January the 6th, 2021, and that's it. That's all there was. Forget about 54 when Puerto Rican nationalists shot members of the House of Representatives. They literally tried to murder people inside the Capitol. Forget about the 60s radicals who blew up bombs at the Capitol. Nope, none of that mattered. None of that happened. The only day, not only the worst day, but the only day of violence in Washington, D.C. ever, <laughs> forget all the murders, is when police killed Ashley Babbitt and nobody else was killed. No police officers were murdered. Now, you remember the reports that day and the reports in the immediate aftermath, which, curiously, the media did not rush to correct. And it took a couple of weeks, I think, to correct the record was what they were smashing police officers in their head. Brian Sicknick was pummeled to death, beaten to death. He was pummeled with a fire extinguisher. Everybody remembers that he was beaten in the head with a fire extinguisher. Killed, murdered in cold blood by this savage mob. How dare they? It turns out one thing Tucker did expose is that that did not. I mean, we already knew that did not happen. But Tucker showed, hey, there's Brian Sicknick walking around the Capitol, uh, not being beaten to death. All right. Now, there's no doubt he had... Uh, confrontations with idiots at the Capitol. Sure, yes, true. But it's very different than what you are uh, have been led to believe by the left-wing media. They never corrected it. They never said, this is bad, this is horrible. Anderson Cooper did not come out and say, well, this is a problem. Uh, I have to retract something that I said. They don't. Being a liberal means never having to say you're sorry. You can act like the fawns and go, you know, I don't, I'm so, no, 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 so, no. You can get away with it. That brings us to Corinne Jean-Pierre. Only somebody fully marinated in the knowledge, not the belief, in the knowledge that they will not be challenged that their lie will not be called out in any way, shape, or form, would dare lie in a braze, such a brazen way that you're about to hear Corinne Jean-Pierre do, in a way in which the President of the United States has lied as well, by the way, publicly on multiple occasions. Zero police officers died that day. One police officer died the next day of a stroke. Brian Sicknick. It's sad. But that's what he done. I'm just telling you what the coroner's office said, not 
what the media said. And it's weird how it took them so long to correct the record. So you got to, for a big lie to really take effect, you have to let it sit. You have to let it become part of the knowledge base of the country, part of the, the it's just true. It's universe, It's been repeated so many times that it's true. And then you come back a couple of weeks later and say, oopsie, sorry. But then you don't dwell on it the way you dwelled on the lie. And so you've technically corrected the record. You just hope that nobody heard it. And even people who did hear it have heard the lie repeated so many times that they go, oh, okay. They forget the correction and they default back to the lie because human beings move on that maybe is what karen maybe she's so dumb she doesn't know but it is her job to know therefore her ignorance is unforgivable and a lie on the tucker carlson program on fox and i was just curious if you had any broader comment about the ongoing uh, lawsuit uh, between Dominion Voting Systems and Fox News, which has turned up evidence that, that there may have been falsehoods in, in the reporting that they did around the election, um, which of Fox, I should say, has, has said that those are cherry-picked anecdotes. So, but do you have a reaction to that? Yeah, I do have a reaction. Look, we agree with the, the chief of uh, Capitol Police and, and the right range of bipartisan lawmakers. You heard them all yesterday. You guys reported on it, who have condemned uh, this false de- depiction of the unprecedented violent attack on, con- on our Constitution and the rule of law, which cost police police uh, officers their lives. And that's what we saw on that day, on a very dark day, an attack on our democracy. Pol- cost police officers, plural, their lives, plural. Now, it's a question. You can tell. I don't know who this reporter is. It doesn't matter. They'll probably win an Emmy for this reporting, maybe even a Peabody. But why you want to comment on Fox News' Dominion lawsuit? What kind of a question is that? What what kind of a question? Hey, you want to take a free political cheap shot at uh, somebody I don't like politically, somebody I disagree with politically. You want to do that? You do? Oh, you want to do it directly from the podium? Now, if you remember back to when Donald Trump was president not that long ago when you hop in the Wayback Machine, what was it? Every time that anybody in the Trump administration answered or said anything remotely political from that podium, what happened? The leftists pounced. It's a violation of the Hatch Act. You're not supposed to engage in political activity from the White House podium. Kellyanne Conway, we're going to file an ethics complaint against you. So they create the ethics violation or the appearance of an ethics violation. Then some Democrat says, oh, it's an ethics violation. And they, they report on it. Well, it's possibly an ethics violation. And then there's an inspector general investigation. Who says, yeah, maybe she shouldn't have probably answered that question from the podium since it was clearly a political question. Never a, hey, you know, the uh, she was answering a question that was asked to her. Her geography doesn't matter. She doesn't stop being an American citizen. Now, if she's up there saying, vote for this one and vote against that one and donate money, then yes, sure. But uh, yeah, you want to just rig the system. You control every aspect of it, every gear in the machine. That's what Democrats do. It's how they manufacture it. Yet there's Corinne Jean-Pierre. Oh, uh, officers died. Not one single person in that room, not one single person in that room after asking a loaded political question at the White House. And it's weird. You ask about Hunter Biden or ask about the campaign and Hunter Biden's involvement in the campaign. They go, we can't answer campaign questions from here, but anything else, fair game if it's against Republicans. 
But not a single person in that room said, wait a second, uh, Karen Jean-Pierre, I understand you're historic, and forgive me for even doing anything that might call into question just how historic you are, but no police officers died that day, not a single one. Even if you want to claim that Brian Sicknick had a stroke because of what happened that day, he didn't have it till the next day. So just logistically speaking, he did not die that day. And the coroners didn't say anything about, you know, beaten in the head with a fire extinguisher or anything like that because he wasn't. So where are these officers? Who are these officers who died that day? Not one of them did. You can only tell that lie if you're confident that you're not going to be called out on it. Because an honest journalist would say, wait a second, uh, Karen Jean-Pierre, you're talking about multiple police officers dying that day, but you count officers, I think three or so, that committed suicide, right? President Biden at one point included a police officer who was killed in a shootout or in a car accident, in a car attack by a black Hebrew Israelite, rabidly anti-Semitic, rabidly anti-white lunatic, who a couple of months later rammed a barricade and killed a police officer, Capitol Police officer, and then was killed by police. It, that was included in, in uh, the victim there was included in the police officers who died because of this violent insurrection. Nobody called him out on it. It's like the people who follow, report the news don't follow the news. But nobody in that room said, who? Who, who are you talking about who died? Because they can cite the coroner's report on Brian Sicknick. They don't. They probably never read it. It's inconvenient, so you just kind of smash it down. But the police officers who committed suicide, sad, Every one of them, sad. I don't mean to diminish that in any way, shape, or form. However, the police officers who committed suicide committed suicide for reasons that are known only to them. It had nothing to do with January 6th. January 6th was not a good day at work for them. But if a three-hour fight, and it wasn't even really a fight for three hours, leads you a month or two later to kill yourself, there is something else going on there. And if you look at the facts behind a lot of these police officers, first of all, police officers have a high rate of suicide. Police officers see some horrible, horrible things. Horrible, horrible things. But, and it it affects them, obviously, deeply and profoundly. However, if you have other factors in your life, such as depression, relationship problems, what have you. Police officers then have uh, the, the high rate of suicide that police officers have. You have to consider all of that in there. Just because somebody who worked at the Capitol killed themselves two months later, drove off a bridge, I think in one case, or jumped off a bridge, there was, I don't know, I'm not a, a fragile psyche type of person. But I can't imagine that this led anything to do with it. If there is evidence of it, present it. Yet they've never presented any evidence of it because I can't imagine there is any evidence of it. They just declare it to be. If a police officer died 
in any way, shape, or form in the immediate aftermath of January 6th, they count them as that because they are comfortable and confident in the fact that no one's going to call them out on it. That's why Corinne Jean-Pierre can say multiple police officers lost their lives when nothing could be further from the truth. Then you can add Adam Schiff to this, talking about Tucker Carlson. He was appearing on Anderson Cooper's show. Now, it's hilarious. He's on there with Adam Kitzinger, the so-called Republican, one of the two Republicans who was on the January 6th committee, who played right along with this BS about uh, the the QAnon shaman guy, Chewbacca. And Adam Schiff is talking about lies and how you just repeat the lies often enough. Anderson Cooper and... Uh, and Kitzinger are nodding along, going, oh, yeah, right, right, right. Completely in bliss. This is the least self-aware you will ever hear human beings be. Anderson Cooper and Adam Schiff spent the last six years lying to the American public about every single thing related to the Trump administration. Every single thing related to the Trump administration. The repetition of a lie makes it the truth in the minds of people who don't pay attention or are ready to believe or are just dumb. And he's saying that's what Tucker is engaging in. I play this just for the comedic effect. Yet the power of repetition uh, is such that, you know, people like Tucker Carlson, who know they're lying to the public, can convince tens of millions of people of those lies. Uh, I I tell you, it's been really uh, illuminating to me about other periods of history where you had other liars use a powerful megaphone and convince millions that they can't believe what they've seen. Uh, and you wonder, how is that possible? And now we see how that's possible uh, when you have people who have no uh, no love of country, no no patriotic fiber, when it's just all about the money, um, then this is what happens. What an evil, evil human being that that guy is. What an absolute fraud as well. <laughs> you only care about the money when you lie and you just repeat the lie and repeat the lie and repeat the lie. Where's that collusion in plain sight? Where's that proof of collusion? Where's that evidence that you, as the former chairman of the House Intelligence Committee, have seen? Where is it? You could have released it to the public if it existed. Adam, if it was really just a matter of national security, the president of the United States, you have proof that he is a puppet of a foreign adversary. And he's, well, it's classified. I can't release it. You walk down to the floor of the House of Representatives, you can say and enter anything into the record you want, no matter how classified it is, with zero ramifications for you whatsoever. None, none, none. You didn't do that. Instead, you went on CNN and said, oh, I've seen the proof. And CNN said, well, Adam Schiff has seen the proof. And over and over and over again for years, they've all seen the proof. The only thing missing was the actual proof. I've seen the proof. But I haven't. the proof is in the pudding and the pudding is in the fridge and you can't get into the fridge because that's where I keep my quaaludes. It's insane that these people can go on television. Anderson Cooper, award-winning journalist, 60 Minutes consultant, will hear that and nothing in his head, nothing in his head goes, I should probably ask a question about that. He'll win awards for it. Now we're going to move on to the, uh, well, you know what? Just for fun. Let's move on to a horrible, horrible hate crime that occurred 
down in Florida, Fort Lauderdale to be exact. Of course, this happens in Florida, Ron DeSantis country, the home of hate crimes. They are the originators of hate crimes. They are the originators of hate. Sun obviously makes people fully hateful. It's just science. I'm sitting there and I'm remembering back to when we went and visited our in-laws down there. I, I just I know that they're conservatives, so I just didn't put two and two together. They're probably probably hate mongers too. I know I'm a hate monger. The wife is a hate monger. The kids were raising a couple of hate mongers, and uh, if I had known we weren't anywhere near Fort Lauderdale, I don't think not that up on florida geography but wait wait no no okay it was a different fort we flew into fort myers um but fort it's not that big the nation's uvula down there it's not that big um i could have driven if i had known that this existed i might it's a good thing i didn't know that it existed because i might have been tempted because of my conservatism to commit this horrible horrible heinous hate crime and um just uh, i feel shame about it because obviously this in 2023 that this sort of hate crime exists in society is a horrible tragedy and unacceptable unacceptable now what hate crime am i talking about i'm talking about perhaps the worst type of hate crime that you can uh, commit an affront against a virtue signal. Yes, an affront against a virtue signal. The uh, city of Fort Lauderdale for, I don't know, it's not a gay pride flag because a gay pride flag doesn't have this many. This is like the progressive pride flag or maybe they have so many permutations of it. There's like there's the gay pride flag, which is the rainbow flag. And then there's the more inclusive uh trans flag and then there's the progressive flag i don't know which one has more things on it they just it looks like jackson pollock threw up in lines there's just so many colors and like each one represents a different thing like no it doesn't no it doesn't if you can be represented by a, a stripe on a flag you you're really there's something wrong with your level of existence you really need to i don't know seek professional counseling or something I don't feel I look at this this swirl of a, you know, uh, seizure inducing flag flapping in the wind. And I don't believe that there's a color up there that represents me. All I know is that the one color not in this flag is white because we me people like me are responsible for all evils in the world. And I've come to terms with it, I guess. God people they seem are so pathetic but literally they're like well this one represents this skin color this one represents this skin color okay which skin color is the purple no suddenly a transition from it representing skin color to representing who you sleep with okay how's that work now it doesn't matter and then this one is your weird gender identity this one represents people who are uh, pansexual you gotta you gotta hide the tea fowl when they come over for the family picnic it just gets out of control you don't want to just trust me on that one and you're sitting there going what the hell is this well they painted some sort of flag on the street down at an intersection in Fort Lauderdale and someone in a big old pickup truck, a dually, no less, probably a white supremacist, drove over it 
and did a burnout, did their peel out, did their tires and, and left black tire marks on this flag, particularly on the yellow and the blue. It's a horrible, horrible hate. The uh, progressive, I don't know which flag it is, so it's hard to say. The trans community, it's not, like I say, it's not the gay pride flag because it's got the triangle in there. I think this is the one that represents, it's the trans flag with a special emphasis on trans people of color. I don't I don't fully speak jive or BS, you know, political correctness, but that's what I suspect. I want you to listen to this local news report about this horrible, horrible incident. My God, Fort Lauderdale may never recover from this. A community hit by hate when a man leaves tire marks all over a pride flag painted on an intersection. Residents around the area speaking out in disgust. Sevens, Danielle Garcia is live in Fort Lauderdale with more on the search for that driver. Danielle, good morning. Good morning, Lorena. That mural right behind me was unveiled just about 20 days ago. Already it's been damaged and covered with skid marks. The community here is saddened, as you mentioned, but they are planning to redo it. In fact, the cleanup process has already begun. Oh, thank God. I don't think this, the emotional scars will ever fully recover. But the superficial tire marks on the brightly colored paint on the road can be painted over. See, I don't know if these idiots are aware of how life works. But you watch anybody... Where, or anywhere where it's just freshly been painted, particularly a crosswalk, a big, and dare I say it, I have to use the word, a big white stripe indicating the crosswalk. What happens eventually? Why there are tire marks on those things. Now, why is it? Because it's the freaking road. And guess what rolls on the road? Tires. I hate to break it to you. I mean, these people don't seem to understand how the world works. You also have a whole bunch of people who like to leave skid marks on things. Why? Because they bought a really powerful motorized vehicle. And part of the fun of a really powerful motorized vehicle is stepping on it. Leaving skid marks. Yesterday, I was at, I don't know, some intersection somewhere. And I was, you know, it was a two-lane intersection that turned into one lane just past the light. So I'm waiting in the light. And I got to get off the jump to get in front of the five cars that were in the, the left lane already so I could be up first. I, I'm, a, I'm a good driver. But uh, so I took off right when the light changed. And I squealed. I squealed. Why? Because it was on a crosswalk. I didn't, it doesn't. It wasn't like, I mean, I'm driving a Kia Soul from 2011. It wasn't a, you know, look at my car, man. This is really, anybody want to drag race for pink slips? It wasn't anything like that. It was because that's what happens when tires go really fast over painted sections of it. They have surveillance footage of this. The horrible, horrible thing. And it's just somebody going, you know what? It's a blacktop road. Not going to be a whole lot of tire marks left on a blacktop road. They'll be there, but not a whole lot. But they'll really show up on the big, bright, red, orange, yellow, green, blue, purple, black, gray flag. And so they probably did it for that reason. It wasn't like, oh God, I hate them gays. I'm going to really take it out on them. Because if this, because right across the bottom, the Chiron, the, the footage says, hit by hate. Hit by hate. It's hate. They know the motivation. What if the guy driving the truck is gay? What if the guy driving the truck is gay, trans, black woman? 
Huh? Maybe they just wanted to see what the truck could do. Just have some fun. There's an all... I mean, imagine... This was, I think, the top story in Fort Lauderdale yesterday. Imagine having so few problems that you can give a damn about. Somebody drove over something in a way you didn't approve of on the road, right? Now, if this flag were on somebody's front lawn and somebody peeled out on it, I would say that you might have an issue there about their motivations. But it being on the road, you can do nothing. And even if it were hate, which I would say it's probably easier just to drill, roll by and dump some paint out of the car, right? Dump some, why not? Dump some paint out of the car. I'd be tempted to do that just to annoy a leftist. But if that's what they did, who cares? It's paint on the road. If your life is so dependent upon a flag painted on a road, you don't have much of a life to begin with. If you need that sort of external validation for your existence, you are never going to be happy. And then you get into why it is liberals are so damned miserable. And make no mistake about it, they are so damned miserable. In every way, shape, or conceivable form, these people are miserable human beings. And might I posit a reason as to why they are so miserable? Not that I care personally except that so many of them end up taking their misery out on everybody else. And sadly, the politeness gene in most people allow them to do so for an extended period of time before there is the required backlash. But maybe they're so miserable because they desperately seek external validation for everything, from the clothes they wear to the weirdness that they do to their preferred pronouns to their whatever validate me i am uh, this sort of gendered person i don't care you're an idiot you're a bit of a loser who desperately needs external validation you're never going to get it because there's always going to be somebody who doesn't like you for whatever reason be comfortable with yourself but these people seem to go through their lives eternally having fights with their parents manifest as everybody else seeking validation desperate validation please pay attention love me no i'm not going to love you i don't care i am indifferent towards you and that's the thing that they really hate the most They don't really care as much about the acceptance as they do the resistance. They want that resistance. Why? Because that gives them an opportunity to be victims. That gives them the opportunity to clutch their pearls and go, oh, they're out to get me and my community. It's not your community. Get together with a group of gay people. Listen to them talk about each other when somebody leaves the room if you have gay friends you know what i'm talking about get together with a group of women it's internet it's women's month or women's history month or whatever the hell it is i don't care but get together with a group of women don't try to join in the conversation just observe keep the wine flowing and observe and listen to them talk about the members of their friend circles who aren't there Listen to him talk and tell me that you think you're, these are your friends. These are, this is somebody you're going to 
shiv in the shower, right? If you get the chance. No, no, no. Good friend. Really? You'll never want to leave the room, not because you want to hear what they'll say next, but because you wonder and you'll be afraid of what they'll say about you when you leave the room. But the left has so bastardized the meaning of all of these words, community. And so elevated the concept of victimhood that somebody peeling out on a pride flag isn't a fr- Look, if, if somebody peeling out on a pride, I guarantee you put an American flag on the ground, the mayor will be out there in a truck peeling out on it going, how dare you? We need to get this up. You'll be dumping paint thinner on it. The president of the United States, Joe Biden, would fly down there to personally um, be incontinent on it, trying to put that in as polite a way as possible. People desire victim status on the left. If this is it, if you've gone from they're beating up gay people on the streets to somebody uh, peeled out on a pride flag, we can just call it a, a day, right? We've achieved equality. Can we just do that? But you can't do that because where's the money in that? Where is the money in that? There is none. So since we were uh, talking about the uh, the horrible, horrible assault on that road, <laughs> well, how about an uplifting story about the trans community, shall we? See, it's, it was International Women's Day yesterday, and the White House wanted to celebrate international women. Now, it's really weird. I'm not sure why the White House wanted to celebrate international women, Last time I checked, now it's been a while since I've checked, but last time I checked, we had women in this country too. Now, don't I, I assume they're still here. Not Like I said, haven't really been on the prowl since I got married, but I assume that they're still out there somewhere. So if you're going to celebrate women as president of the United States, you might want to go, you know what, here's our members of you know the international women's community that we're going to celebrate. But instead... The Biden administration decided to highlight international women, different women, women from other countries. I don't know, maybe maybe France and Germany and Brazil and Venezuela and China. Maybe they were all giving awards to and special recognition to American women over there. I doubt it. I highly doubt it. It's it's like uh, the United States sending the Mexican Olympic team or celebrating the Mexican Olympic. Why would you do that? They, they, the Mexican government, in between dodging bullets from the drug cartels and taking payoffs from the drug cartels, they could probably find time to print up a plaque for their own women, right? You don't need to celebrate them. But that's not how the left works. When you don't like this country, you don't want to celebrate this country. So they brought out, you can tell they don't like doing this anything anyway. They put Jill out there doing it. That's how you can tell they don't take anything seriously. Is the Secretary of State Antony Blinken, whose name just sounds like a horrible misspelling. It should be Anthony Lincoln, but no, it's Antony without an H Blinken, and um, the with Jill Biden, the Reverend Doctor Jill Biden. God, what a just I'd be insulted. But anyway, they're giving out awards to internet women from other countries in this country who did things, whatever, who cares? I couldn't care less. But listen to this one woman. 
woman being in quotation marks. In Argentina, Alba Ruada is a transgender woman who was kicked out of classrooms, barred for sitting for exams, refused job opportunities, subjected to violence, and rejected by her family. But in the face of these challenges, she worked to end violence and discrimination against the LGBTQI plus community in Argentina. Now, I, I am no expert. I don't know what this person's life story truly is. I, I also don't care. But it sounds like everybody hates this dude, right? Like, you know, couldn't get a job. Nobody wanted anything to do with her. No friends. The neighborhood turned against him. And even the family said, get lost. Maybe there's something else going on here. I'm just saying, nobody likes you. Maybe they're on this. I get it. If some well half hate them and half don't like them and half love them, that's about normal. But if it's uniformity, I don't really think that I'm going to go and say that everybody else is wrong. It might not have anything to do with how far you tuck it back, because that seems to be what the award was for. Because uh, that you did those things in another country, who cares? Who cares? Women are finding out, I think, and this is what real women, real feminists, people like J.K. Rowling are looking at and they're going, you're giving awards for women on International Women's Day to men. To men. All right. Sorry, but that's what it is. Oh, you're so horrible hate monger. Whatever. Go ahead and call me whatever you want. I don't care. I am a realist. I understand the tuck rule if you will. And it's not related to football. It is related to reality. And just because, you know, I'm not going to go and, and I wrote this rather artfully in one of my columns recently about, um, I'm not going to look at a guy in a dress at a urinal next to me and go, what a fine woman you are just because he tucks his privates behind thigh fat. Just not going to do it. I'm not going to play that game. You are what you are. You come to terms with it. I don't have to come to terms with it. I don't have to deal with you. I don't care what you do. If you insist that I declare the sun rises in the West, I'm just not going to be around you, right? I don't have to deal with you. I don't wish you ill. I just don't want you. I'm not going to deal with somebody who demands that I be pulled into their delusion or else I'm somehow the problem. Get help. Get help. And the defense that these leftists always put up on this thing is there's a higher rate of suicide and attempted suicide in the trans community than in the general public. Well, then, there. Okay, first of all, there's a higher rate of suicide amongst our military. There's a higher rate of suicide amongst our police officers. Maybe if you really care about suicide, you should care about the more prevalent instances of suicide and the people more likely to try it and but no they vote wrong they vote wrong who cares just keep that in mind when you hear these people lecture you about the moral superiority of their position and how you are somehow history's greatest monster if you do not fall in line and obey their edicts they are not as concerned or concerned at all about the military suicides or police officer suicides. In fact, the demonstrated earlier, the Capitol Police, they use that to their advantage. It's rather gross. 
But trans suicide or attempted suicide rates, they go crazy for. They care deeply. And they, their solution to it is not to get those people professional help. Like, hey, why are you trying to kill yourself? Maybe we should get to the bottom of it. It is, in fact, to declare that the only way to save their lives is not to get them professional help, but to indulge in their delusions, which is bizarre because the suicide rate is actually just a teeny bit higher after people transition. If you just indulge their delusions and say, let's go, you're actually causing them to have a higher rate of attempted suicide. Not them in particular, not an individual, but in groups. If you're at all interested in facts, but they're not at all interested in facts. They're interested in a political agenda. And so they simply ignore it. They'll use whatever they can to browbeat you. You must accept this delusion. That brings us to the American Civil Liberties Union. It should be the American Civil Groomers Union. They put out a video featuring yesterday featuring an Ohio state senator talking about these various bills across the country that are saying, hey, uh, I don't care how far you tuck it back. Boys do not compete with girls in girls sports. They're robbing girls of championships they rightly win. They are robbing them of scholarship opportunities they would rightly have. They are actually otherizing women. They are cheapening what it means to be a woman. You can just declare yourself to be it. There's nothing special about being a woman. It will only be a matter of time before these trans activists start insisting that trans women get you know, preferential treatment and get gynecological treatments. You're going to have to enjoy, go through the motions and the delusions of this. They've already got these two weirdos, I don't even know what their names are, on social media running around. They're, they're two trans superstars, which means that the media pays attention to them. One of them has now got a modeling gig or an advertising gig, a sponsorship gig with a, a tampon company. You go, well, where, do you, where do you put it? You don't want to know. The answer. I can tell him where he can stuff it, but where he puts it doesn't matter. He's got nowhere to put it. In fact, that person is actually they call he calls himself non-binary. Non-binary. It's the most they talk like this. They've got this this breathy voice and they think that that's what makes if they just talk like this. Hello, Derek. We need to talk about these sorts of things. They talk like that and put on a dress. Then suddenly they're a woman. That's it. That's all it is to being a woman. It's not all there is to being a woman. And thank God it's not all there is to being a woman. It's not even close to what it is to being a woman. There are lots of women who don't wear dresses at all. But because you are a, a overindulged child, man-child, who freaks out and cries and gets upset... No matter what, anytime you don't get your way and people just go, all right, well, we should probably let this person get their way. You give them a sponsorship, modeling job that goes to women. You give them international awards that go to women. You give them scholarships that are set aside for women, which is, are women oppressed and underrepresented in the the field of science or are they not? Because there are men getting awards. 
that otherwise would have gone to women because they tucked their junk and declared themselves to be a woman while wearing a muumuu. Are we all supposed to play along and go, congratulations? Or do men simply make better women? Listen to the ACLU, this video, Ohio State Senator. This is this guy who pretends to be a woman accuses anybody who says, you know what? Biology matters. Boys should play sports with boys and girls should play sports with girls. Accuses them of wanting to commit genocide. It's all part and parcel of the same goal, which is to undermine the validity of trans people's identities. Um, whether they were t- whether they were just flat out saying trans women aren't women and trans women aren't real is the same argument that was at the heart of trying to ban trans people from restrooms consistent with their with our gender identity. It was to say trans people aren't who they are. It's not about access to care. It's not about competitiveness in sports. What it is truly about is making life so difficult for trans young people that they never grow up to be trans adults. And that doesn't mean they grow up to be cis adults. It means they don't grow up at all. Well, it depends on how you mean don't grow up at all, because judging by people like you and all the other trans activists I see on social media, it doesn't seem like they've grown up at all, not even a little bit. They seem like overindulged children. But if you're talking about everybody's hoping they commit suicide, there is one side of this equation that is advocating that these people get the mental help they so desperately need to sort out whatever problems it is that they're having that are causing them to look at biological reality and say, no, God got it wrong. And then there is another side that looks at it and says, no, you must pump this person's body full of hormones. You must pump this person's body full of drugs to stop their body from functioning naturally. And then we must surgically remove parts of their body as quickly as possible, as young as possible, so that they may feel, they may live the way that they feel. They tell them, if you just get these drugs into your body, which you'll have to take for the rest of your life, by the way, and if you just have these body parts that you'll have removed from your body, which you'll feel for the rest of your life, although they won't be there, and the organs that they will take out will never function, and you will have to constantly perform maintenance on these things, these orifices that will close up naturally if you do not do things to keep them open, just like wearing earrings constantly. If you stop wearing earrings, your earlobes will close. What do you think happens to other holes in your body? Do you think that happens to real women? No, that doesn't happen to real women. But these kids are being sold a bill of goods. They're awkward teenage years, and you've got these groomers sitting there, empowered by the Democratic Party, the ACLU, the media, Hollywood, you name it, telling them, no, 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 it's not a normal part of aging to just feel weird and not comfortable in your body because your body's changing. The body you've had for the last 12 to 15 years is changing pretty dramatically. It's going to feel a little bit weird. Do you think the caterpillar emerging from the cocoon as a butterfly isn't having some weird thoughts of what in the hell just happened here i was a little tree slug eating leaves and now i can fly and i eat flowers that doesn't 
you don't think that if there's a trans community in the butterfly no 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 you're still you're still a larva you're still a larva no there's going to be a bit of adjustment you become an adult and you want to go crazy and slice your body apart i couldn't care less i don't want to have anything to do with you just like i don't want to have anything to do with somebody whose entire face is covered in tattoos you're free to do it i don't want to have anything to do with you but to sit there and pretend that to not indulge in a destructive behavior is somehow akin to genocide shows you how desperate these people are. And most of it, I suspect, is due to what I have said many, many times about abortion, too. These people have done it. These people have done it. And they don't want to even address the prospect that maybe they were wrong. And so maybe they shouldn't have done it. Maybe they regret it. So instead, they're looking to get as many people into it as possible. Why? Because the more people who do it, the more normal it is. It's, it's normal. It's totally normal to have uh, extramarital affairs or to do drugs. You should do it. Do it. Come on. Well, why? Have an abortion. Come on. Have an abortion. It's perfectly normal. Then why are you haunted? Why do you wake up screaming and crying in the middle of the night? What's If it's perfectly normal, why do you seem to have such a huge problem with it? No, no, no. I want more people to do it. More people to do it so it is normal. See, see, more people are doing it. It is normal. Who are you trying to convince? You're not convincing anybody out in the wild, yet you're still making the same case. Or maybe you, you're trying to convince yourself. You get more people to do something you feel awful about than maybe you feel less awful about it? Maybe. You get certain parts of your body turned off, butchered, changed, and you get more people to do it than the regret that you have. Like, no, no, no. It's a perfectly normal feeling after this. It's not regret, really. It's just, it's just a part of life. No. Nature doesn't really make mistakes like that. It's not like there's a box of parts and God took a day off and said, all right, Ernie, you do, Ernie, you, you half blind fool, come over here and start assembling people. And they just, Ernie reached into the wrong box constantly. That's not how it works. Maybe there's something else at play. But a lot of people are past the point of being able to question that. And they don't want anybody else questioning that because then if it's discovered, if we go back to what it was 20 minutes ago when gender dysphoria was a treatable thing, a treatable mental issue, then these people who have done irreversible damage to themselves will be acutely aware of the irreversible damage that they've done, and there will be nobody to blame but themselves. Then they might have to also deal with the fact that they dragged a whole bunch of kids into it too. I don't know how you live with that one. I want to shift gears to this hearing. This really was an amazing hearing that happened up yesterday on Capitol Hill. And I don't say that often, and I don't say that lightly, because I don't say that often. Because most of these times, these hearings are just garbage. They are for one side or the other to posture. This, uh, yet you could say that, oh, this is just Republicans. The Democrats did say this is Republicans posturing. And... Uh, the Democrats didn't ask any serious questions. It's amazing to me how these Democrats function. If you watch what's happened, there was a, a field hearing. For those of you who don't know, if you don't live in an area where they would ever have a need for a field hearing, it's when you take a congressional hearing 
to the place most impacted by it or one of the places most impacted by it. Say you're going to do a, a hearing on the fate of national parks, whatever it is. You would probably, you know, you sit there in a dusty Rayburn office building or you can say, hey, you know what? We're going to we're talking about the fate of national parks. Let us go to the Grand Canyon and we'll have the hearing at the Grand Canyon. That way you'll hear from people who are impacted, the local community, whatever. It makes sense if you do uh, an Indian Affairs Committee hearing in Washington, D.C. Yeah, people can fly out here. But every once in a while, you should probably go to a reservation and hold a hearing. Then you can see firsthand, have some knowledge of what you're talking about. There was a hearing on border security two weeks ago, I think. A field hearing down at the southern border. I believe it was in New Mexico, but I could be wrong about that. Whatever the case, not a single Democrat on the committee attended. Not a single Democrat went. Not a single Democrat gave a damn. They refused to participate. They called it a show trial, a show hearing, a show garbage. It was garbage. It was not to do anything. Now, I suppose that's better than doing what Democrats usually do when they're in the minority, which is go and be complete jackasses about it. They go and they don't uh, take it seriously. They ignore when they just ask their witnesses their own questions, ignore all the other witnesses and then leave immediately afterwards. So I suppose in a sense, not having them there is better, but not having them there runs a risk of well, what it, what it did shows how unseriously these people take these serious issues that not a single Democrat would attend a field hearing firsthand with Border Patrol agents and the local citizens impacted by the Biden administration's open border policies tells you that they don't care. They don't care. They don't give a damn. Just like the way Joe Biden made fun of the mother who lost two sons to fentanyl. And, well, yeah, the drugs that killed her came, kids came in in the, the previous administration. Why the hell should I care? Well, because you're responsible for 110,000 deaths last year alone, Joe. Maybe that's why. Maybe Maybe you'd give a damn about the fentanyl crisis if Hunter overdosed. I don't advocate that. I don't wish that on anybody. But that actually, I don't think Joe would actually care at all. That would give Joe another death to exploit, and he does love exploiting deaths. For all of his BS, I'm a super Catholic and I love everybody, you don't ever see any actual acts of compassion on his part. You hear it. People tell you, oh, he's a very compassionate, very empathetic person. But he can't demonstrate it because when he has the opportunity to greet the 13 service members who were killed in a terrorist attack in his retreat from Kabul, Afghanistan, he stood there and kept checking his watch, wondering how long this crap was going to go on for. He doesn't care. He's gotten the political mileage out of it already. It ceases to be important to him once the cow has been milked dry. Gross, gross people. Well, on the issue of COVID, Democrats don't care. They at least showed up. The hearing was in Washington, D.C. They Some of them showed up. None of them had serious questions that demonstrated an interest in discovering where COVID came from. You would think elected officials might 
have an interest in that, you would think that even if they didn't care about the human toll, you'd think they might care about the economic toll. Trillions upon trillions of dollars in new debt. They might want to know how that came about, but they don't. As demonstrated here by Jamie Raskin in this clip, before we get to the uh, Redfield testimony, the former head of the CDC, um, <sighs> Jamie Raskin is a, is a bad person. He's honestly a bad person. You should thank God every single day that if you don't live in his district, I did, I escaped in a hot air balloon. Uh, quickly, uh, shortly after he got in there. But if you live in his district, you should get out. If you know anybody who lives there, you should feel sorry for them until you realize, and uh, well, unless you know how they voted. And if they voted for him, to hell with him. He is a bad man. Be thankful every day that he's not only not your member of Congress, that he's not your father, he's not your husband, he's not your cousin, he's not your brother. He's not in your life in any way, shape, or form. Because he's one of these awful people like an Adam Schiff who simply don't care. They would step on anybody and step on anybody. Like Joe Biden exploits the death of his wife and two of his children every single chance he gets. It's not that he's bringing it up to express empathy with people. He's bringing it up to get sympathy from people. There's a difference. When you're sitting there looking at the parents and the families of 13 people who died on your watch as a direct result of your orders, and you say, I know what you're going through because I lost my son in Iraq, when you know damn well that your son died four years after being in Iraq from a brain tumor, you are a special kind of creep. Jamie Raskin is that kind of person. He is a one-trick pony. Now, he represents one of the wealthiest districts in the country in Montgomery County, and these liberals don't care, so the bad things that befall them because of this or whatever, it's weird. You know, it's really easy to support illegal immigration when illegal immigrants can only afford to take the bus to your city and then take the bus out of there. You, don't, you pay them to clean your house, but you don't pay them enough to live anywhere near your house. It's weird. That's the essence of liberalism. Come in, don't be seen, do not make eye contact. You make sure you can eat off that toilet. In fact, why don't you have your lunch in there? Here's your under-the-table cash. Go ahead and file a complaint with the EEOC or uh, whoever you want for me underpaying you. You'll be booted out of this country quicker than you can. It's the only thing that you can do, actually, to get deported in this day and age is offend a liberal Democrat donor to the Democratic Party. Jamie Raskin, at a hearing about the origins of COVID, have the people there, including Robert Redfield, the former director of the Centers for Disease Control, he has the opportunity to ask any kind of question that he wants about the origins of COVID, something that has killed more than a million Americans, according to government data. And he doesn't care. He doesn't ask about it. He doesn't give a damn. He doesn't give a damn about deaths anywhere. He'll exploit them. You write a book about it if he thinks he can make a buck off of it or get another vote for Democrats on it. That's how people like these Democrats work. So instead, you get this from Jamie Raskin. Cut 10. Go. 
Nothing. No one, no one ever. Okay. Whatever the origin. Do you care about the origin? Do you care about, well, I don't know, the fact that more people died under Joe Biden than under Donald Trump because of COVID? Now, if you're going to blame Donald Trump for the deaths under COVID under him, fine. That's all well and good. The responsibility falls on the president. Joe Biden is the one who came in. I plan to shut down the virus, not the economy, and didn't. More people died under Joe Biden's boot than on the Trump under the Trump administration. Does Jamie Raskin not know this? Of course, Jamie Raskin knows this. He's counting on other people not knowing this. If he'd wanted to, if he were a decent human being, he's not. But if he were, he could have even used his opportunities to question any of the experts up there and say about the mishandling of the pandemic by the Trump administration. He could have done that. He didn't even care to that extent. All he wanted to do was make a declarative statement and then run away. Tee-hee, throw a snowball and run back in the house, protected behind mommy's skirt like a five-year-old girl. That's Jamie Raskin for you. That's the Democrats in general. Meanwhile, the adults in the room were actually trying to get to the bottom of something that I think is very important if you at all are interested in making sure that this doesn't happen again. Maybe Jamie Raskin wants it to happen again. I think most Democrats, given the choice, honestly, if they said, well, you could have a deadly pandemic on Republicans' watch, or you can learn from the last one and prevent it from happening again, which would you prefer? I think most of them would go, on Republicans' watch, you say. Hmm. Republicans. So we could blame the, okay, yeah, then uh, Republicans. Let's do this to Republicans. I promise you, there would be a lot of soul searching by those Democrats. And it'd be about a 50-50 proposition. Not with Jamie Raskin. Jamie Raskin, Adam Schiff, Nancy, they've already made their bed. This is who they are. But normal people, normal normal Democrats would, would be given pause for a second. Anyway, Robert Redfield, the former director of the CDC, the Centers for Disease Control, was up there, and he was asked some serious questions by people who are serious, people who are deserving of their positions in government, who are trying to find out the origins of COVID. Was it a lab leak or was it naturally occurring? It does matter. If it was a lab leak, we need to stop gain of function immediately, which we should do. So it can't really, like, in a thousand years, it might evolve to this. Well, maybe. But in a thousand years, let them deal with it, because I imagine medicine would have evolved there, too. But no. President Fauci was making money off of it. President Fauci was making decisions that he wanted to hide. It's important. And as the Center for Disease Control and Prevention leader, Redfield was sidelined on the origins of COVID by President Fauci and the gang. Here he is testifying to that fact yesterday. I want to stick with you. you. You have said before that you were locked out of conversations about the lab leak by Dr. Fauci and Dr. Collins. Do you think they kept you out of the conversations because you believe COVID-19 may have come from a lab? Yeah, I think I made it very clear in January to all of them why we had to aggressively pursue this. And I let them know as a virologist that I didn't see that this was anything like SARS or MERS because they never learned how to transmit human to human. 
that I felt this virus was too infectious for humans. There was a lot of evidence that lab actually published in 2014 that they put the H2 receptor into humanized mice so it could infect human tissue. I think, you know, we had to really uh, seriously go after the fact it came from the lab. And they knew that that was how I was thinking, although I thought we had to go after both hypotheses. And I was told later, uh, I didn't know I was excluded. I didn't know there was a February 1st conference call until the Freedom of Information came out with the emails. And I was quite upset as the CDC director that I was excluded from those discussions. Why would they do this? Because I had a different point of view, and I was told they made a decision that they would keep this confidential until they came up with a single narrative, which I will argue is antithetical to science. Science never selects a single narrative. We foster, as my colleague here just said, we foster debate. Mm -hmm. And we're confident that with debate, science will eventually get to the truth. This was an a priori decision that there's one point of view that we're going to put, out there, and anyone who doesn't agree with it is going to be sidelined. And as I say, I was only the CDC director, right. and I was sidelined. Now, that should bother everybody, Republican or Democrat, up there in that hearing, but Jamie Raskin couldn't give a single damn about it. None of the Democrats could. See, to the left, science is not the questioning of things, science is majority vote. And then obedience to that. And only majority vote once the progressive agenda is affirmed by that majority vote. Climate change. Uh, it's a consensus. No, science isn't consensus. It's proof. It's proof standing up to scrutiny. It's proof standing up to questioning. It's proof standing up to testing. That's what science is. There's no consensus that gravity exists. We all know it exists. There aren't exceptions to it. There aren't things that go, well, that doesn't, gravity doesn't exist there. We don't understand, forget it, forget. No, gravity is gravity. Gravity is a constant. Imagine if, since you just take this, the way the left functions, majority vote, majority consensus. Imagine if pro-lifers flooded the field of medicine, particularly in biology specifically as well. And then they took a vote on when does human life start? And you had a whole bunch of pro-life Christians that had dominated the field, 70% of the field now. So there's always turnover. People die, people retire. And you get a 70% vote. You get 98% vote. Do you think Democrats would go, well, I guess then life begins at conception. We should probably rethink our position on abortion. Or do you think they would stick to their guns and not give a single damn about it? They would stick to their agenda. Of course they would. That's who they are. That's what Fauci was doing. Redfield, the director of the CDC, an actual virologist, Fauci is not, said, well, he thinks that it's probable to be a uh, a lab leak, man-made. Fauci knows that he's been throwing money around, including over to there, and there might be some some residual things on Fauci's hands. So instead of taking it on head on they formed a cabal in government to circumvent the centers for disease control and present a narrative that made fauci look best and the other people look best covering up the truth whatever it is doesn't matter where the path went they didn't want you to take that path kind of tells you where the path went i think but they didn't want you to take that path why well that's what this hearing's trying to figure out. That's what one, not a single Democrat cares about at all.
Now we go to uh, Dr. Redfield talking about how he tried to explain to Fauci that this virus isn't natural. There are certain... See, again, you have to remember, Redfield is a virologist. It's right there in the name that he deals with viruses, whereas Fauci is an immunologist, and realistically, Fauci is a bureaucrat and has been a bureaucrat he, his entire life, actually. So not really sure how many patients he actually treats rather than how many reports of doctors treating patients he reads. I tried to explain to Dr. Fauci, who's an immunologist, that this virus, SARS and MERS, when they infected a man from the intermediate host, civet cat in the case of SARS and a camel in the case of MERS, they never learned how to go human to human. So those original outbreaks were less than 1,000 people, and the epidemics died. And so when everyone thought this was SARS-like, well, that's gonna, it's going to die too. But this virus was immediately the most infectious virus, not the most, I think probably right behind measles, virus that we've ever seen infect man. So I immediately said, wait a second, this isn't natural. And then you go back and look at the literature and you find in 2014, this lab actually published a paper that they put the H2 receptor into humanized mice so it can infect human tissue. And then you learn that the new COVID, which came from bats, now can hardly replicate in bats. So how does that happen? So I said that my view as a virologist, again, my hypothesis, and I never discredited them for their hypothesis, it's the spillover, was that this was most likely to come from the lab. And we need to aggressively investigate both hypotheses. Yes, aggressively investigate both hypotheses. And President Fauci said no and cut out Redfield to cut out the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, cut out the virologist and covered his own ass. Yeah, and not a single Democrat, remind you, cares. Not a single Democrat had any questions about it because why would they? Now, just to put a fine point on it, Redfield then listed three specific and suspicious events that took place at the, as if it, you know, the the Wuhan laboratory for coronavirus research, and then there's a coronavirus outbreak. You might have not needed these dots connected, but if if you are a Fauci fan who needs these dots connected, he kind of pulls back the curtain a little bit here and, and connects these dots in a way that I think even my children would understand. I will say, if you go back and look, it's declassified now, and I'm sure you all have your classified briefings, but the declassified information now, in September of 2019, three things happened in that lab. One is they deleted the sequences. It was highly irregular. Researchers don't usually like to do that. Second thing they did was they changed the command and control of the lab from the civilian control to the military control. Highly unusual, and I've been involved in dual-use labs when I was in the military. And the third thing they did, which I think is really telling, is they let a contractor redo the ventilation system in that laboratory. So I think clearly there was strong evidence that there was a significant event that happened in that laboratory in September. It's now been declassified. You can read it. Not a single Democrat gives a damn. Trump this when they bothered to talk, when they bothered to show up. Trump this, Trump that, Trump the other thing. Go Trump yourselves, Democrats. Gross, gross people. Speaking of gross people, this is New York Congressman Daniel Goldman. They were debating protecting children online, particularly on social media yesterday on the House floor. 
And uh, think what you will, like, you know what, government shouldn't regulate social media or government should regulate social media, whatever. But while the discussion was being had, there were amendments, to, as there are in pieces of legislation, one of which addressed children and protecting children, shielding children from nudity online. And nudity does exist on social media. Nudity exists, all, pornography exists on Twitter. It's apparently not a violation of their terms of service. And so it, it all exists out there. And Congress, Democratic congressman from New York, Daniel Goldman, has a problem with the concept of protecting children from nudity on social media. Instead, he, he just distracts. Now, it's funny. When Democrats are in charge and they're focusing on something insignificant or whatever, even if you think it's insignificant, they go, we can multitask. We can do multitask. When Republicans are in charge and it's something Democrats don't like, government suddenly can't even do one thing by itself, and you should not lose focus on whatever it is they care about. It's a bizarre phenomenon. Amendments are here for us to address today. Instead, what we are addressing right now is, in addition to child pornography and child exploitation, two very legitimate law enforcement purposes that, of course, should be permitted to uh, have coordination with social media companies. No, now we're really worried about protecting children from seeing nudity online. Apparently that is of such paramount importance that we don't care if Vladimir Putin has a red carpet to interfere in our elections. We don't care if people are threatening to assault people online, to threaten uh, sexual assault. We don't care if people are sending death threats online. No, we need to protect our children from seeing some nudity. That is what is so important that we need an amendment on the floor. I think Danny Goldman likes children watching nudity. Looking at nudity, I think that might be a bit of his kink. By the way, Vladimir Putin interfering in elections. The only way Putin interferes in our elections is the lies that Democrats tell about Russia and our elections. Just pointing out that I understand it's inconvenient to Democrats and you won't hear it other places, but that is how Putin interferes with it. He exists and Democrats need a boogeyman and they picked him. That's it. As far as the other things that he's talking about, those, those things are illegal. Those things are illegal. Why don't you, uh, you know, are, are law enforcement officers not enforcing the law? Is, that would be something you should bring up as a member of Congress if that's the case. Or is it more likely that you just don't really care and you just really want kids to look at nudity, you weirdo? Speaking of weirdos, Congresswoman Cori Bush, she's genuinely one of the worst people on the planet. She is a rabid racist from St. Louis. And you sit there and you go, St. Louis is a pit. It's a hole, a horrible thing. Yeah, well, this is who they vote for. So it's hard to feel any sympathy for the people who elect this moron. Cori Bush is rabidly anti-gun, yet she employs with tax dollars. They armed security guard to protect her. Not you. Screw you. You're probably a racist anyway. She wants herself protected, not anybody else. Well, it turns out that her uh, security guard that she paid is a guy named Nathaniel Davis. According to the Washington Free Beacon investigation, he claims he's 109 trillion years old and that Jews control the world. Uh, not kidding. And he has been paid with our money 
$137,000 from Bush since 2020. He's not on the staff. He's just contracted out. Um, Representative Cory Bush's bodyguard claims a host of supernatural abilities, including the power to summon tornadoes and read minds. During a Tuesday evening interview with the Washington Free Beacon, he added another to his resume. He states his status as a Jewish high priest. <laughs> Davis, who claims to be 109 trillion years old, a spiritual guru named Aha Sen Pinaki, whatever, demanded the Free Beacon retract a report on his relationship with Bush and his history of advancing anti-Semitic conspiracy theories. Davis, Davis, a former member of the vehemently anti-Semitic New Black Panther Party, and it's uh, said it's impossible for him to be anti-Semitic because he himself is a member of the tribe of Issachar, one of the lost tribes of Israel. He's a nut. Here's a little taste of his nuttery on video. I'm a teacher. I'm going to give you brand new knowledge as much as I can. I'm going to teach you how to grow food. And if you want to learn something from the mystery schools, I'll teach you out the mystery schools. I love Sufism. I love Essenism. I love Gnostic schools, the Gnostic texts. Love them. I love voodoo. Love it. Love it. I love Paulo Mayombe. Love it. So I stick to the mystical side of everything. You know that walk on water? That deal, that hill of man. I don't know how to walk on water yet, but that is the science. It's called the science of levitation. It's a simple science, too. But I was put on this planet to break the spell. One of the people put on this planet to break the spell. Not more. I'm not peaceful at all. You mess with me, I'm messing with you. I'm doing you ten times worse than what you did me. I might go get me a goat or something, go get me a ram or something, put some blood on the altar and f*** your whole family up. You can care less. You're a Christian, I'm going to take you to the book of Psalms. I'll show you how to knock a person and make all their teeth fall off their mouth. The book of Luke Mon is the most powerful book of magic in the Quran. The book of wisdom. That's why it's the book of wisdom. I got a sewer in there that make tornadoes. Flat out. That's how I learned how to make tornadoes. See, that's what Sufism is all about. In the book of, I'm going to take you in the book of Proverbs and show you how to make lightning touch where you want it to touch and burn some down. I got a chant in the Torah that, that makes fire out of nothing. No, I'm not going to get on live and prove, but you can come get it from me. <laughs> All right, that's it. Hey, I love how he says, hey, you know, uh, I, I could demonstrate. He could start fires with his mind, but he could demonstrate that. But you got to find him in real life to do that. He's not going to put that on video. <laughs> yeah. It's your one marketable skill, my friend. You should put that on video. You will definitely be on the uh, payroll of kids' birthday parties from coast to coast. Your tax dollars at work, ladies and gentlemen. But Cory Bush says you're a racist and crazy. Sorry, St. Louis. It's tough to care. All right, that is enough for today and enough for this week. That's all you get me. Well, that's not all you get me this week. If you go to patreon.com slash Derek Hunter podcast or DerekHunter.locals.com, you get me for at least a half an hour again tonight at midnight and you get to win uh, or chance to win autographed books and all that good stuff and you get to help support the cause of this program which is much much appreciated and much needed so thank you for that and if you haven't signed up please consider it give it a give it a couple of months test drive see what you think of it patreon.com slash Derek Hunter podcast or Derek Hunter locals.com appreciate it we'll see you there at midnight tonight otherwise see you back here on Monday have a great weekend and uh, thanks for 
tolerating me shaking off the rust. 